You're listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel, Las Vegas. This is where real faith meets real change. Be sure to listen to us through Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Follow us on your favorite service to get instant notifications when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also check us out on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, PraiseChapelLasVegas.com to find out more about what PCLV is all about. With that being said, listen up, because here comes the word. It's good to be in Las Vegas at the Voice Conference. And I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to what the Lord's doing here tonight and been praying uh, for this conference. And I know you guys are going to have a great uh, weekend and tremendous speakers. I tell you what, it's really awesome. Uh, my wife would be here, but uh, our grandbaby is uh, here from Texas. And so she said, you can't cut me loose from her. She's babysitting. And, and so actually I was going to stay over uh, tomorrow, but uh, it's her first year birthday, and so we love our little grandbaby man, and our and uh, we can't get enough of her. They they took her to Texas. I don't know what happened, and and uh, they're helping out one of the church planters there. They went and bought a home there, and I said, I guess you're staying there permanently. I told my son, and so uh, we missed our our granddaughter, but uh, it's good to be here in Las Vegas. Good to be here with Pastor Art and Maria. Aren't they wonderful pastors? And I've I've known them a number of years. And uh, went to the same high school and junior high, and it's amazing how the Lord just keeps you connected. Didn't know that down the road, uh, you know, we'd be saved and going to the same church and part of the same fellowship. And so uh, I, I really have just enjoyed the worship here, and I really enjoy your building. How many just enjoy being here? The great building, great, great feel in the house. And so, again, I'm just honored to be here and uh, appreciate the invitation uh, be among so many people and uh, our fellow pastors to be here together with you. And I'm just really, really blessed. And so uh, I'm going to minister out of Second Samuel chapter 9 of the Word of God. I'm not going to read that yet, but how many, how many enjoy a good story? I mean, you know, there's just something about a good story that just kind of resonates with everyone. And uh, I love a good story. I was, uh, I'm going to read you a story. And uh, it's kind of funny. Even if it's not funny, just laugh out of just courtesy for me. It'll make me feel better. <laughs> uh, but a child was asking his father, how were people born? And so his father said, Adam and Eve made babies. Then their babies became adults and more babies and so on. And so the child went to his mother, asked her the same question. And she said, we were, uh, we were monkeys. Then we evolved and became like we are now. And so the child ran back to his father and said, you lied to me. And his father replied, no, your mom's talking about her side of the family. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> but it's always fun uh, to hear a good story. And together, I mean, all of us can share a story. You could probably talk about the first time you met your wife and and uh, when you were dating, you could probably talk about uh, the time where uh, things were down and God came through for you, a miracle happened. Uh, all of these situations uh, are, are something where God came through for your life, different things, or it could be a funny story that you have. I, I remember 
uh, when I first uh, was pastoring, and uh, we had a little baby, and I couldn't see really, you know, we had to keep, you know, when the baby, when you have a little baby, you don't want to wake the baby up, so I kept all the lights dark, and I went in the closet, and I got my shoes, and we got ready, went to church, and there I was leading worship, and I had two different color shoes on, and there's nothing you could do. You're just, you're pioneering, man, and everybody's looking at your shoes. Not only did I do it once, but I did it twice. I go, this is crazy. I had two different color shoes on, and uh, I, I just said, how did I even make it in the door? Nobody even said anything, but those are the things that, that happened. All of us have a story to tell. I said, all of us have a story to tell. And uh, unfortunately, at the same time, there are some stories we'd rather not tell. There are some stories that we kind of keep hidden and uh, stories that uh, we think, well, nobody needs to hear these stories. They really don't matter. I don't really want to share it. And so we kind of keep silent about it. We don't voice the story. Sometimes we even kind of edit the story. We kind of make it better than it really was. We change it around so it's not as bad as it was. And so because part of that is because we're ashamed. Part of it is because we're living in guilt. And we stay silent about some of these stories. We don't share what really happened. And we rather skip some of these stories. And I'll tell you what, it's important that you share your story. It's important that you share your life. Because I tell you, so many things on TV are not real. They say reality TV a lot of stuff is staged. How many know that? But I love the stories that we hear in the church. I love the stories in the Word of God. They're authentic. They're pure. They're for real. A lot of us could relate to the stories in the Word of God. And I believe all of us this morning have a great story. You may say, well, my story is not that great. Let me tell you, your story is great. A lot of us say, man, my story's lame, man. My story's not that great. It, it's lame at best. And can I tell you something? I'm going to read you a story about a man who was lame. And his story, he felt, was lame. And I'm going to read you this story out of 2 Samuel chapter 9. If you just go uh, read along with me here. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse number 1. It said, David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul? to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. Now, there were the servant of Saul's household named Zeba, and they summoned him to appear before David, and, king, and the king said to him, Are you Zeba? At your service, he replied. And the king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? And Zeba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he, the king asked. And Deba answered, he's at the house of Mekir, son of Amiel, and Lodabar. And so King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Mekir, the son of Amiel. And when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. And David said to Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied, don't be afraid, David said to him. For I will surely show you kindness uh, for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and I will restore all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. And Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Deba and Saul's steward and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. 
You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth's grandson, or grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons. How about that? And 20 servants. Man, they outdid Latinos back then. 15 sons. Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table, and he was lame in both feet. So I want to take a moment to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us today. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Lord, today that you've given us a voice. And we pray that your voice, God, would prevail in this house, that your voice would prevail over our own voice. And God, that we would hear from you, God. I pray, God, remove every distraction, remove all of those things that may be heavy on our, on our mind right now. Lord, even the Facebook and the Instagram and the Twitter, God, remove that distraction right now. Help us to give you 100%, our 100% undivided attention. I pray, Lord God, that your people would hear the voice behind the voice. In Jesus' name, and the people said, amen, amen. How many of you have ever saw the, or ever, you guys watched this show called The Voice? Anybody ever watched that show? And uh, for some of you that have not watched the show, I'm going to show you just a small clip of the video of, of the show, a clip of the show, so you can just kind of get an idea of what I'm talking about. Why don't you go ahead and show that clip for me? There you go. <laughs> so I, I'm always intrigued by how many people love these shows. And uh, I remember the show American Idol. I think it, it's still around. I don't even know if it's still around or not. And so a lot of people, they watch those shows, and I really get a kick out of when the, the times I like to watch it was when Simon really tells people the truth. You know, when they, they, 
people think that they can sing, and then he just really tells them the truth. I go, where are these people's friends at to tell them, bro, you can't sing. Don't try to audition. You know what I mean? You, you know, once in a while, you need a friend that will tell you the truth. And then uh, you've got America, what it, uh, has got talent or got talent, whatever. And uh, they, sh they show people with different abilities. But the reason why I wanted to show you this particular show, The Voice, because it's a very compelling picture of our own life. Because the contestants that audition to become The Voice, they, they're hoping for this grand prize that, that they're going to get a, a recording contract. They're hoping that somehow... These judges, you know, you got the Judge Blake Shelton, I guess, one of the judges. Is he a country singer? I can't even name one of the songs. I, I don't listen to country. Uh, and then you got uh, Adam uh, Levine, and I, I believe it's Kelly Clarkson, Jennifer Hudson. Look at guys, I don't watch the show, but I just, I, I, you go on the internet. <laughs> but uh, but uh, when it first came out, I think it was 2011 or 2012, I remember watching that first couple of shows that, and a lot of people talking about the shows. And they have these big names that uh, these rock stars, former rock stars, some of them are currently rock stars, and they're, they're the ones that are sitting there. And I remember the first, these seats are more modern in this particular clip, but the first seats were a lot different. And uh, they almost, these kind of look big too. They look like big thrones, don't they? They look like big old red thrones. And uh, they sit there. And the thing about this particular show if they cannot see the contestant, they don't see the contestant, they don't make a choice based upon their appearance, they're not looking at how they look, whether they're tall, short, or fat, they're not looking at what fashion they wear, they're not even knowing whether they're male or female. They don't judge how they look, whether they're good looking or not good looking, whether they're cool or uncool. They don't watch or see how they're dressed. The only thing these judges are allowed to do is to hear their voice, is to hear the voice of the contestant that comes from their heart. They are strictly judging just the voice, not the person. And it reminds me of a scripture, you are familiar with it, 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. It says, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And so when I think about the voice of all these people that are auditioning, basically they're looking for the judge's approval. They're hoping that that judge will push that red button. And when that red button is pushed, as you've seen on the clip there, they turn around and what they're saying is, I want you, I approve you. I want you on my team. And it's very critical uh, that they get picked uh, because if they don't get picked, uh, it, it, they feel ashamed. You've even seen some of the family on their side, they're hoping that these judges will push that button and pick that person. But I've seen it where they didn't turn around. Nobody turned around, and they feel rejected, and they feel unwanted. And I just want to tell you this today. God will never reject you. God will always look to you. God never turns his back on you. At any rate, when you look at these judges, uh, they turn around, and it's a big deal. But unlike American Idol, though, what happens when they pick you, you get on their team. They choose you, and you become part of their team. It's like Team Blake and Team uh, Levine. And you come, and not only do you become part of their team, but they're making a commitment to coach you along the way. 
and they're going to help you become the voice. And they're saying, I approve you. I'm going to help you on your path. Now, I want to look at this analogy today because I want to say to all of us in this room, the moment you trusted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I want you to know today, Jesus turned his throne to you, and he said, I approve you. I've forgiven you of your sins. I approve you. And I want to take it beyond that. He says, you're on my team, and I'm going to have the Holy Ghost, and he's going to guide you, and he's going to coach you, and he's going to help you become the man and woman of God. And I'll take it a step further. Jesus not only chose you, but he chose you before you did anything good. In fact, he chose you knowing that many of you were going to make some dumb decisions and make some stupid decisions. And before you ever even sang a key, before you even uh, sang in or out a key, before you ever tried out, before you ever auditioned, God already had hit the button. And he said, I choose you. You're on my team. In fact, Jesus says this in the book of John 15. He said, you did not choose me, but I've chosen you. And I've appointed you. That word, it means I've called you. I've ordained you. And Jesus is saying to you and I, I love you. You're part of my team because all of us want to be a part of something. See, we're looking for approval. Our whole life has been looking for approval. Some of you joined a gang because you were looking for approval. Some of you are always posting stuff on Facebook and Instagram because you're looking for someone's approval. And we know half of it is phony because you got the right angle and, and you make your chin look thinner and you, and you make all these different things. Uh, you're fooling yourself, honey. We know how you really look. Uh, all these, but we're looking for everybody's approval. And it's sort of like we're auditioning uh, for people to approve us uh, because we were looking, we've been looking for it for our whole life. Maybe some of you were looking for approval from your mom and dad. You're looking for approval from your brothers and sisters, and many people go through life. Let me just tell you something. You're trying to get God's approval. You're trying to say, God, accept me. God, look at me. Now I'm going to church. God, look at me. I, I, I'm not doing this anymore. And I want to tell you, you're a child of God. God is saying, cancel the audition. I've, you already got the part. I've already turned my throne to you. I love you, and I've chosen you. I've ordained you to be the voice. You are his so child. You are his son. You are his daughter. He's ordained you already. In fact, he says in Jeremiah 1.5, he says, I knew you before you were born or before you were formed within your mother's womb. Before you were born, I sanctified you and appointed you as my spokesman or my voice to the world. I'll read it in the voice Bible. Before I even formed you in your mother's womb, I knew all about you. Before you drew your first breath, I had already chosen you to be my prophet, to speak my word to the nation. Now, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you know what? You may see my glory, tell him, but you don't know my story. <laughs> all of us have a story. We all have a path. We all have a thing where we came from, and I want you to know God wants to use your story. 
Now, I want to go back to the story of King David, but to a character by the name of Mephibosheth. A lot of us have heard that name before, but it goes back to King Saul and his son Jonathan. We know, of course, that David is now the next king in the story, but the one that had the rightful heir to the throne at that time was Jonathan. And through a lot of circumstances and things that happened, we know that Saul and Jonathan, they die in battle. And we realize now that Saul, or not Saul, but King David, or David becomes the next king. And so the scripture does not talk about uh, much about uh, Mephibosheth being one of the grandsons, but the Bible says uh, that King David comes into power. Now I want you to realize something. When a king came into power, when a new king came into power, it was customary for that king to kill off uh, all the other descendants from the previous king. They would come in and kill all the relatives. They would come in and kill everybody. So it's a very fearful thing when the new king came. And if you were related to the former king, guess what? Uh, they were after you. They, they, they had a hit out for you. And so all of a sudden the scripture says that, that there is a nurse or a caretaker that's taking, taking care of Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son, and in haste she picks him up, but somehow she stumbles, and the scripture says he has a lifelong disability. Both of his feet are lame the rest of his life. And so for several years, Mephibosheth is living in a town called Lodabar. And it basically, you notice it didn't say Hydebar, it said Lodabar. And he's been hiding out for 15 or 20 years, and he's there. And the Bible said that David, one day, he decides, you know what, I want to see if there's anyone left from the house of Jonathan that I can bless him. The reason why he said that, because he has a loyalty. He had a loyalty and a friendship with Jonathan, and he wanted to see if he can bless one of Jonathan's descendants. And in 2 Kings 9-1, he said, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And the scripture said there's one uh, one of his sons uh, by the name of Mephibosheth. Now, the word Mephibosheth means to scatter shame. Another translation means shameful breath. You ever heard of bad breath? Talk about shameful breath. And he had a shameful breath. And so King David now, he's at the pinnacle of his kingship. He has defeated all of his enemies. He's at the top of his game. His enemies have been conquered, but he wants to show some mercy. He wants to show some kindness. And really that word kindness, what it means is mercy. Not only mercy, but grace. Basically, it's the combination of both words. Mercy is not getting what we rightfully deserve. How many know we deserve judgment? Grace is the other side of that, getting what we do not deserve. In other words, we don't deserve God's kindness. And so David is using that word. He goes, I want to show some mercy. I want to show some grace towards somebody. And the scripture says that he's looking for someone. And notice that he didn't say, I'm not looking for someone who's worthy of kindness. I'm not looking for someone who's auditioned. I'm not looking for someone that is proven uh, to deserve my kindness. I'm looking to, for someone that I can give my kindness to. And the scripture says he sends for Mephibosheth to come to the palace, and he sends for him. He said, bring him over here. And the scripture is really amazing because 
the Bible says uh, that Mephibosheth is in Lodabar, and we know he's with this disability. And I can imagine, I don't know about you, but if I was one of the descendants of the previous king and you heard that the king is sending some men to come and get you, you could pretty much say, my time is up. He was probably thinking to himself, you know what, my time is up. They finally found me out. They finally discovered me. They're coming to get me. Judgment is coming my way. And I think about Mephibosheth because, you know, this guy was supposed to be the next king. He was supposed to be this warrior leader like his father and grandfather. But now he's incapacitated. He has twisted ankles. He can't walk. He's in a place called Lodabar. Remember, it happened when he was five years old. So he's been there for a long time with broken ankles, unable to walk. Now, the meaning of the word Lodabar, what it means, it means no pastor or forgotten or not having or a town of forgotten people. Other, other translations say literally it's a place of silence. It is a place of no communication. Say lo means no, debar means word. So no communication, Lodabar, no word, no voice. Remember, his voice is full of shame. His life is full of shame. So he's living in a place of Lodabar, a place of no voice, a place of no communication. And he's living in shame. How many of you have ever been in a place in your life where nobody heard your voice? You were in pain. Something happened to you. Things in your past. Maybe you were a victim of abuse. Maybe you were a victim of some verbal or physical or even sexual abuse. Maybe you grew up in a home or a broken home and nobody heard your cry. Nobody heard your voice. And have you ever said to yourself, man, if I could only get past this, man, my life would be broken. Isn't it amazing this morning, this afternoon, how brokenness in one area can rob us of our rightful blessing somewhere else. How the enemy wants to silence you. How the enemy wants to silence your voice. How the past experience in your life can rob you of the peace of God right now, the child of God right now. There are people in this building right now. You have no voice. You've allowed the enemy to shut you down. You're living in the past. The past has robbed you of what God can do in your life. And the truth is, no matter who you are, no matter how great of an upbringing you, you lived or you came up, uh, you know, as the son or daughter, how you were raised, all of us were raised in some form, of dis- some form of dysfunction. I don't care how perfect your family is. There's always some kind of dysfunction. I don't care who you are. Man, a lot of TV shows today, man, they talk about family dysfunction. One of the first guys, what is it, Jerry Springer, right? I mean, man, I mean, he showed all kinds of dysfunction. I was, I was sitting in a Jiffy Lube, and they had this one, and they even have Spanish shows now, and all the family dysfunction, you know. And, they, they, you know, they're bringing in the mistress and, you know, tu quieres, you know. <laughs> you know, tu quieres. <laughs> You know, they're doing all this. And so all these different things for some of you that don't know Spanish anyway. But, but there's always some kind of dysfunction. Do you know this morning or this evening, there's all kinds of even dysfunctional families in the Bible? In fact, from the very beginning of Adam and Eve, it was dysfunctional. So Mephibosheth is a vivid picture of you and I. 
trying to desperately live or work through some of our inward dysfunctions without letting anyone know, and we're sitting silent with no voice. Mephibosheth is the story of any of us where we've been in life today. And the reason why so many people end up in Lodabar, a place of no voice, a place of no hope, because all these dysfunctions and all of these uh, uh, things that happen in our life uh, keep us in a negative attitude. It's a negative mindset. We live with this negative mindset that we can't get past this. We can't go beyond this. And this dysfunction in Lodabar, it's got you gagged, man. It's robbed the hope out of your life. And we're wondering, how can I get out of this? What can I do? Instead of sitting in the king's palace, uh, friend, we're in Lodabar, isolated from everybody else. Romans 5.17 says, For if by one man's offense, death ring by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall ring in life by one Jesus Christ. Now, according to this scripture, our rightful place in life is that we're not living under the penalty of death anymore, but we're under the grace and righteousness of Christ. We're supposed to be kings and priests in the kingdom of God. But yet somehow we've lost our voice. And the reason being is somebody dropped us. We've been dropped in life. Some of us, you've been dropped. Somebody dropped you this morning. Something happened in your life. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 4, 4, Jonathan Saul's son, Saul's son had a son who was lame in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled, and it happened as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. Something happened to this child that he never recovered. Somebody dropped him. A lot of us this morning, we feel dropped. We feel, man, I can't get by. I got, can't get past all of this. Now, I want you to realize something. God had the call on you, and God wants to give you and restore your voice again. Now, listen to what it says in 2 Samuel, or, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 2. It says, now, there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Deba, and they called him to David, and the king said, are you Zeba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul? Notice carefully what he said, that I may show the kindness of God to him. Now notice Zeba's response. Zeba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. She goes, there is someone. But then she adds, he's crippled in his feet. Now I can't help but wonder when I read this scripture, that maybe she was subtly kind of adding that in, kind of telling David, yeah, there is someone, but you don't want that guy. He's a cripple. You don't want, he's not royalty. You don't want him in the palace. You don't want him here. You don't even want to be seen around this guy. And maybe she was kind of, you know, kind of adding her own consul to the king, trying to give him a little subtle consul, trying to say, yeah, there is one more, but you know what? Uh, you know, he's lame in his feet. Uh, that's not somebody you even want to call. You know, that, that guy, you know, nobody knows about him. He's hiding out somewhere. You don't want me to call him. And the Bible said, the king said, where is he? King David said, where is he? I didn't ask you. Where he, I didn't ask you what was wrong with him. I didn't ask you his condition. I didn't ask you whether he was worthy. I said, where is he? 
And the Bible said in verse 4, And Debo said to the king, He is in the house of Mekir, the son of Amiel, at Lodabar. In other words, he's there. He's, uh, he's in this place uh, of no pasture. He's in a place, a barren place. He's in a place of no voice. Uh, he's in a place of brokenness. Uh, and we wonder, why was he there all of these years? How come he never came out? For the same reason a lot of us never come out of our brokenness, we stay isolated. We stay silent. We're afraid to come to the king because we think the king is going to reject us. We think the king is going to turn us away. And so, therefore, we stay isolated. And instead of coming to the king and saying, I need your help, we stay in Lodabar. And King David said, it's not good enough. Bring him over here. King David is seeking Mephibosheth. He wants to pour out his grace. He wants to pour out his favor over his life. And the Bible says here in 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 4, Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Mekir, the son of Amiel, at Lodabar. So he said, bring him over here. I need him here now. And so the king called him. And I imagine that, again, Mephibosheth is thinking, man, but my, my time is up. I've been found out. And he comes and he throws himself at the mercy of David, saying, here it is. I'm just a dead dog. He's probably thinking that, that an axe was going to come, probably thinking that a sword was going to cut off his head. He was thinking, man, there's no way I'm going to make it through. And the Bible said that he bowed down in verse number 6. And he said, Behold, I am your servant. Then King David said this, and this is the picture of God to you and I. He said to him, Do not fear, I will show you kindness. Did you hear that? Do not fear. That is God's voice to you and I. He said, do not fear. Don't, don't be confused. Don't let the enemy lie to you. I'm not out to reject you. I'm not out to turn you away. I accept you. I want to show you mercy. I want to show you grace. You don't have to earn it. You don't even deserve it. But I'm the king, and I'm showing my kindness to your life. And he said, and you imagine why he goes, for the sake of your father, Jonathan. This is the picture of God the Father. He said, for the sake of my son, Jesus Christ, I'm going to show you mercy. I'm going to show you grace. Fear not. I will show you mercy and grace because Jesus already paid the price for you and I. You and I have access to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Can you say amen? So why is it that we're still living in Lodabar? He's a grown man now. He even has children why is it that we're still there? Unfortunately, we have this mindset that we could never be accepted. We have this mindset that, you know what, man, my voice will never be heard. Man, I'm in a place where, you know what, God will never listen to me. That is a lie from hell. I, I want to say something to you today. As I'm speaking, there are two voices going on in this room right now. It's what I'm saying to you and what you're saying to you about what I'm saying to you. And you're processing it through your experience. And you're, in fact, they say when, when someone is talking to you, they speak 400 words a minute. God, I didn't even know we spoke that many words in one minute. But when you speak to yourself, you speak 1,200 words a minute. 
the loudest voice in this room is yourself. And I'm going to add this. It's even louder than God's voice. And until we shut ourselves up, we'll hear the voice of God. Until we say, you know what, I'm not going to process it through my experiences. I'm not going to let my voice be louder than the voice of God. Is it possible that God could speak through various preachers this week, even this weekend, and you can hear the voice of God through their voice if we'll quiet down a little bit? Because what happens is when someone's talking to you, even as I'm speaking to you, your, 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 your mind's going 100 miles an hour. I mean, it's going all kinds of ways. I got to do this. I got to do that. Oh, man. You know, and, and you could be angry. You could be mad at me. You could be upset. I don't like what he's saying. You know, when are we leaving? And you're not listening to the word I'm saying. It's true. Somebody be talking to you. How many times have you, you talked to someone and they're nodding yes, 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 and they are not even paying attention to you because they are talking. Their voice is the loudest voice. We, we got to clear our mind. We got to shut ourselves up a little bit. And the reason why that happens is we have a mindset already. We have a mentality of how we're going to listen and what, how much we're going to listen to. And therefore, God's voice can never get into our hearts. And we stay in the same mindset over and over. See, the Bible says that, that he invited Mephibosheth. He said, I come to my palace. You're going to eat at my table. Isn't that a powerful thing? He said, you know what? No longer are you going to be in a place of no communication, but you're going to sit at the king's table. Your voice matters. Can I tell you something? You're in this room. Your voice matters. Your life matters to God. Your story matters to God. I don't care what the world has told you. I don't care what people have told you. Your life matters to God. We just had a, a young man who recently get saved about five months ago. And the Lord is just doing great things in his life. And, you know, he's, he's a professional. He does all kinds of stuff. You know, when he talks, you're like, wow, man, this guy's impressive. And, and just a good guy, though, really good guy. And so I'm thinking, you know, this guy must have had a great upbringing. This guy must have, man, came from a great family, came from the East Coast. I'm thinking, man, this guy, he's got it together, young guy. And so I'm, I'm, I'm talking to him a little bit, and one of the other guys starts talking. And in the conversation, one of the guys in my church begins to tell him about his life. He begins to say, you know what, before I came to the church, I was in drugs, I was all this. And the guy was kind of shocked, and he said, you were in drugs? He goes, yeah. You were all messed up? He goes, yeah. And he goes, well, I've been ashamed to tell you guys, but couple months ago, I just, I, I've been a heroin addict for years. And he talked about his addiction to alcohol. He goes, before I came to this church, I was on heroin, I was in, on drugs, I was in alcohol, and I'd just been ashamed to say it because I thought nobody could relate. I go, bro, they're all over the place in this church. <laughs> Book man, you don't know. We got a lot of thieves, too, former thieves. You don't know what's going on. Don't leave your person you're in your chair, man. You don't know who, who might get it. <laughs> but it began to, I began to realize his voice was silence. 
And when he realized, I have a voice, there are others that have a voice. See, people need to hear you. The devil is trying to get you full of shame. He's trying to get you full of guilt, not to share your testimony, not to share who you really are. But I, can I tell you, there are people that need to know who you, They need to know where you came from. Don't ever be ashamed. Be God's voice. Can you say amen? And so when I look at Mephibosheth, I don't even know my time, guys. I'm sorry. I, I don't even know where we're at here. But when I look at Mephibosheth, the Bible says that he's granted that place at the table. See, even your failures are your successes because they represent the miracle of God that you survive your brokenness, that you survive your disabilities. Can you say amen? No matter how wounded you are, no matter how broken you are, no matter, no matter how far you may think you are, you're one of the king's kids. You're welcome at the table. God says, come to my table. I think God's saying, come to my table. He, there's a place for you at the table. Because let me tell you what happens when you're at the table. When you're at the table, you only see from the waist up. And see, Mephibosheth was able to come to that table, and his lameness was hidden under the table. And when they came, they could see royalty. They can see everybody had the same place at the table. And his lameness was covered under the table. Can I tell you something? All of our lameness, all of our brokenness has been covered by the blood of Jesus. You can sit at the table with everybody else. Hallelujah. God knows where you've been. The grace of God is for all of us here. Can you say amen? The Bible says that they overcame him, Revelation 12, 11. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their life to death. Friend, I want you to know the devil is trying to shut your mouth, trying to stop you from sharing your testimony, but that's what's going to help you overcome the enemy. Amen. The blood of Jesus, the word, the voice of your testimony today. See, under the table, man, our condition is covered. Your position can overcome your condition. God has positioned you to overcome your condition today. Every single one of you, I don't care where you came from, it doesn't matter what walk of life you came from, God can use your voice. There is somebody that needs to hear your story. There are people in Las Vegas that need to hear your story. There are people in Albuquerque that need to hear your story. There are people in Santa Ana that need to hear your story. There are people in Torrance that, that need to hear your story. There are people in and, and, what, Adelanto that need to hear your story. Amen. All over this place in Arizona because people need to hear your voice. Your voice matters. Your story matters. There is someone waiting on the other side of your voice so that your life can, your, your voice, your word is going to change their life. See, I'm telling you today, man, there's so many of you. I, I look around this room. There's so many walks of life, but all I hear and all I can see is voices, a people's voices that matter so much. Your story, like that young man that came to my church, man, he, he, all he needed to hear is somebody else's voice to say, I've been there, buddy. I've walked that walk. And he, he said, man, I, I can't believe that. 
you know, he's thinking, you know, I'm this goody two-shoe guy. He's thinking I, I got, you know, I got saved right out of birth. I said, no, nah, dude, I, I got a past too. Amen. We, we all do. But God changed our life. And today, God wants to change your life today. He wants to use your voice. I want you to just bow your heads for just a moment. I, I feel the Holy Spirit in this place right now.